60 countries are holding elections this year, and the first International Political Campaign Expo has been held in Cape Town. The host, Mr. Glenn Mpani, is here to tell us what happened. Welcome, Mr. Mpani. Thank you so much, and uh, good morning to our listeners. It's a pleasure to be on your show. What are the objectives of the Expo? The objectives of the Expo, they arise from a context where we notice that um, generally elections are regularly held across the world. If you look at the figures that you've just given us, it's 60 elections this year, and approximately 3.8 billion people are going to be voting in the next 48 months. If you look at the number of uh, resources that are invested in campaigns, both human and financial, it's an integral part of who people are. That's number one. Number two, everyone is affected by electoral processes at two levels. One, individuals who are elected are the ones who make decisions on behalf of people. You might be in private, pu public sector, elected officials are a critical component. Therefore, the quality of leadership is important and the quality of policies is invariably connected to the quality of leadership. The second issue that is very important is the fact that for citizens to make informed choices, they need an electoral campaigning process that is high quality, that enables them to choose which party to vote for. But would you believe that across the world, there's never been a political campaign expo? We've got expos on everything, but there's no expo on political campaigns. So what is historic that happened this year is that we launched the first global political campaign expo in the world. In addition to that, we realized that if you look at data, there are receding levels of citizens' participation in politics. Citizens are no longer interested in participating in politics. And um, the data shows a global problem that is there. But unfortunately, as citizens are no longer interested in participating in politics, there is now a slowly growing number of citizens who are accommodating and constitutional removal of governments as a solution to fixing their problems. And therefore, for us, as we said to ourselves, we need to restore the confidence of citizens in participating in elections because of a number of factors. One, it's a big problem for investors because instability and unpredictability in terms of how people are governed has an effect in terms of how business runs. And therefore, it's our responsibility both in public and private sector to ensure that citizens remain confident in participating in elections. Number two, it is very, very unfortunate for us to have governments who are elected by a minority and the majority don't go out to vote. I think there's a problem. I'll give you an example of South Africa. South Africa currently has 62 million people in terms of population. It is about 42 eligible voters. But there are 27.4 million people registered. And of those 27.4 million registered, in the last local government election, we had 12.6 million people participating. So there lies your problem. The problem is you have less people participating in elections. 
you have people who are registered and willing to participate, and you have people who are not even registered. And that is a security risk to a country, both politically and economically. And that is the essence why we set up the Expo. The Expo is meant to revitalize confidence in elections, assist politicians who are used to traditional methods of campaigning, rallies, whistle stops, and posters for them to be able to come up with innovative ways. So the first expo, we said, let's try and teach them the use of AI as a potential tool to running political campaigns. Now, how can AI and big data be used to shape political campaigns? So our first point of call that we all need to accept is that our politicians are very, very uh, allergic to data. They don't like making decisions using data. They don't understand data. They don't know how to analyze it. So one of the first critical components that we need them to analyze is the importance of data and its centrality to running and managing political campaigns. You need the politicians to know who is your voter, where are they, what are their interests, how do I communicate with them. So that's the first thing that we're trying to teach them. And big data has been there. What is the data that we're talking about? We're talking about voting patterns on elections, understanding the voters' role. We're also going even a step further in terms of assisting them in terms of how to analyze that data. So AI provides a tool of analyzing data in real time. That is for political parties. It also helps you in the media in terms of how do you assess the five or six political parties in terms of one policy. For example, you want to assess the ANC policy on land compared to DA, compared to EFF, compared to a Freedom Front. You can be able to extrapolate, look at facts and figures, and package it in a user-friendly manner for your audience. So those are the things that we're trying to do. The next thing that AI can be able to do, it helps in terms of messaging. It helps in terms of how you can use voice, text, and image in terms of how to message. It's very convenient that you and I today are having a conversation when OpenAI just yesterday released a tool for coming up with video. That in itself is a very powerful tool in a campaign because it helps in terms of voicing an image. But we should not be um, forget the fact that while these tools are available, AI has not yet exhaustively looked at all the tools that we can be able to use. We also need to ap appreciate the digital divide. Not all places across the continent have technology or mobile penetration. That's the second thing. The third thing is issues of resources. For you to access ability to deploy and use these resources, you need to have resources, you need to have money. That causes a divide between ruling and opposition parties. Ruling parties usually have more money opposition don't have. The other challenge is regulation. If you are going to be using these tools, you need to be able to deal with the regulations in terms of mobile technology. That also presents a challenge. So while we are celebrating the opportunity of AI, we also see the risk and the major risk that you and I might also discuss is disinformation. Absolutely. I mean, uh, uh, we see disinformation and misinformation involving South African political opponents on X every day, uh, how big a threat could technological, 
development be to voter behavior? Technological development, as I mentioned earlier, is an opportunity and a threat, meaning that if it gets into the hands of irresponsible people, they can be able to erode the integrity and confidence of people in an electoral process. Remember, trust in an election is very important for an election management board to declare that it's free and fair. So the reality of it is a tool like this, it's coming in a space where our policies and regulations were never meant for AI, which means that every election management board is now forced to review their policies and legislation on managing and running elections. That's number one. Number two, we now need to rely on big tech companies in imposing themselves self-regulation and obeying some protocol on good practices of ensuring that these tools are not abused. So we need a certain level of control from political parties, from election management bodies, but it's very difficult to do that in an election where power is at stake. So you find that these issues are going to be problematic and we are going to see more and more problems in elections that we are holding this year. What tools can be given to the ordinary voter to help them discern between what is true and what is not true? I think we it's very difficult because the ordinary voter, once they see anything online, they believe it and they trust it. And that's the challenge that we're dealing with, that they believe that this, I found it online and therefore it's true. We need to encourage political parties to be able to call out on fake news immediately when they see it. The media needs to do that. Fact checkers need to do that. Our greatest challenge is WhatsApp platforms. They are a tool for political campaigning, but they are really self-regulated. So there is need for individuals to be, and, and it's very difficult for me to be able to show, to be able to, to separate a deep fake video from a proper one. It's very, very difficult. And, and we are going to be going through this for a while before we reach a point where we can say now people understand what is true and what is not true, particularly for areas that are remote and very far away, this is going to be a very big challenge. So what recommendations have come out of your expo? A couple of recommendations came out of the expo. The first thing that we need to be able to do, and this is very important, because we held the first discussion globally on the use of AI in political campaigns, the first thing that we need to be able to do is for individuals, uh, governments, and business to throw in investment in research and generation of data and knowledge around use of AI. That is very important. The second component that we need to do is we need to invest resources in educating. We need to educate different stakeholders and parties in terms of what their responsibilities are. The third recommendation is big tech. We need to immediately be able to work with big tech because there is no way any law, any policy is going to come out in terms of elections that we're holding in the next 24 months, let alone in South Africa in May. We need to be able to have a conversation and work closely with big tech. When there is fake information, when there is abuse of the platform, they immediately deal with that. Political parties also need to have a heavy penalty and responsibility. Once they are peddling falsehood, they also need to be placed in a position where they know that this is irresponsible. 
Another component that came in that is also very important that we need to work on. We really need to assist our political parties. One of the things that we have done, we ran an executive course with the University of Cape Town on how to run and manage political campaigns. Would you believe that across the continent there is no university, there is no technical college that teaches anything on political campaigns? So we have set up a course with the University of Cape Town, a one-week course for political parties and people in marketing, and one with African leadership university in Rwanda, just for us to start growing the experts and quality in which political campaigns are run. And we'll be providing knowledge on these digital platforms as a way of growing this quality. And as we hold more and more of these experts, we try as much as possible to bring uh, big tech, innovators, companies that can show different ways of running political campaigns. Now, your expo has made history. Who are you partnering with internationally? So we were very fortunate to partner with Afrobarometer. Afrobarometer is a public opinion uh, institute that has been in existence uh, for the last uh, 20 years. It operates in 40 countries and they ra- ra- run yearly attitudinal surveys of ascertaining citizens' disposition on uh, supply and demand of democracy. And we are using their data to be able to show politicians how they can be able to assess their performance, what citizens want, and to use it in terms of decision-making. We also partnered with International Idea, which is a very global uh, entity that is well-known in terms of its role on strengthening political parties, election management bodies. And the whole idea of us working together on this is to ensure that we are able to draw on our networks, on our expertise in trying to improve the quality of campaigns. Because if we don't include the process in which politicians get get into office, garbage in, garbage out. Now, you've probably kept a close eye on the political campaigns of various parties this year. Um, would you venture an op- opinion on on who's running a good campaign and and who needs help? To be honest with you, all political parties have not upped their game in terms of running good campaigns. They are all confined to the same methods of running rallies. And rallies are not the best tool. They are necessary but insufficient. Because a person who goes to a rally, you don't know whether they are vote, they're, they're registered or not. You don't know whether they are supporters or not. So they're shooting in the dark. So I'm not impressed with that method. Secondly, what doesn't impress me is that an election is the voter registration process. I would have expected that all the political parties would have worked very hard by, 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 by targeting voters so that we increase the number of registered voters. You agree with me that once the number of registered voters is lower, like for example, in this uh, processing essay, there was 1.4 million uh, people who registered. Data shows us that when the registration is lower, it favors the incumbent. So the reality that we currently have is that we are not going to have an election that is similar to 1994. We are just going to have a usual election. And my projection is that I don't think turnout is going to be very high. So we really need to do a lot of work in terms of assisting our political parties, in terms of innovating their methods. I have not yet seen a party that has ignited the youth for them to be more and more attracted to going out and vote. But because we don't have data, 
we need to really look at what the so-called smaller and nascent party. The tendency generally is to say, are they going to perform or not? But we don't know what the tactics that they are using. They might be angling for the registered voter who has not been voting, and they want to bring them to the polls. So while we might be focusing on the large rallies and all that, we really need to look at these small parties that have just come in, that are a year or years older, older, these could potentially be a game changer in this election, particularly with the electoral system. Have come out at uh, the latest party, MK, um, the party of former President Jacob Zuma. It seems to be taking South Africa by storm. Judging by the rallies, there is increasing support for the party and people seem to be really happy to see and hear him again. So in a very short space of time, um, they have had a huge impact. So the, so the MK, yes, it's making noise, but the parties that is going to most likely damage is the ANC and the IFP. So they are the same supporters that they're dipping into each other, but they are not activating those who are unwilling those between the 12 million and the 26 million that have not been participating. That is where we need to draw those to participate. And I'm hoping that political parties like BOSA, Rise Muzanzi, Action SA, they can be able to find that magic that can be able to get those people who are registered and unwilling for them to come to the port. And if you look at the numbers, Anyone who is able to get between the 12 million and the 27.4 million people in between can actually make a difference in terms of their numbers in the next poll. And what would the magic be? I think the magic is understanding what the voter wants. The fact that I am registered in a man it means there is something that you are not saying. It means there is a method that you are not reaching out to me for me to be able to vote. And remember what I earlier on mentioned that data matters. So the analysis of the data in terms of what these voters want, how they need to be communicated, will provide the magic wand for these political parties to be able to draw these people to the poll. Thank you. That was Mr. Glenn Thank Bipani, you so much. the host of the first international political campaign expo held in Cape Town recently, speaking to Biz News. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. It was a pleasure being on your show.